0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to my show, Unstoppable Truth. My guest today is Sherry Strong. She is an expert on wellness and an international keynote speaker. She most recently started a supplement company called Living Immunity and has become the Alberta Director for Children's Health Defense, conducting over 90 interviews with doctors, nurses, scientists, and victims of mandates. Sherry, thank you so much again for coming on my show. I've had you once already and it was so fantastic. Um, For me, it was incredibly uh, overwhelming to hear your interesting philosophy um, on food and the connection uh, that we have with nature and how important that is. But I know that you wanna elaborate on this. Can you do that for us?
1: Absolutely. I think probably the first philosophy before we actually get into the nature piece is the lethal recipe which is basically highlighting how far we've deviated from nature and when i started to look at this i was looking at the longest living cultures you know around the planet there were 17 that i'd identified at the time um, often referred to living in blue zones and and these are the people who they live past 100 in good health and often will just die in their sleep naturally Uh, And so what were the common denominators? These people weren't just living for a long time. They were living with quality of life and vitality. And if I just kind of put it into very simple terms, they were not participating in what I call eating this lethal recipe that developed nations and cultures um, participate in regularly. The lethal recipe is basically we're processing our foods like we process drugs. So I told you in our last interview that... Uh, refined sugar lights up the brain's dopamine receptors eight times more than cocaine, right? But if you look at it, when I I remember looking at the process of how you actually make refined sugar and how you make cocaine, it's very similar. And the, the similarity between the two is that they're removing all the macro and micronutrients all those color, flavor, aroma compounds, and the vitamins and minerals. So you end up with this pure white substance. So, and primarily you can process anything this way, including meat, including vegetables, where you remove all the micro and macronutrients, you usually end up with a white powder or white liquid or white substance. They do it to oils, right? So sugars, oils, salts, grains, and chemicals are the primary ingredients of the lethal recipe. And the more culture actually brings in this lethal recipe, the sicker the culture becomes, the more disease it becomes. And it it's works out very well for many industries, the food industry and the pharmaceutical industry, because now people are not just nutrient deficient because they've removed the, those nutrients that keep us vital and help the body p- repair. They're now toxic. So you've got two things. And if you look at terrain theory, it really, you know, that's what terrain theory is all about. It's about, you know, if you're toxic and you're malnourished, you're going to get sick. And if you want to get well, you need to remove toxicity and bring in nourishment. So the lethal recipe, like a simple example, if you look at how uh, cocaine or heroin is made, If you take opium sap in its natural state, it's not addictive or toxic, even though it has opiates in it. But once you start to cook it, in fact, if you cook anything, you remove nutrients, you diminish nutrients. And the body has this amazing way of repairing, healing, and keeping equilibrium in nature. It's when there's less nutrients, eat more. We don't actually stop eating in a natural healthy body because of volume. We stop eating because our body's nourished, and that can actually take place in a very small amount of nourishment, which is why you can actually go through a drive through you know, get a three-course meal at a drive through eat all of it. It's a, it's a, actually a volume of food, but it's food like substance. It doesn't have nutrients in it. It has toxins in it, and you could be hungry an hour later. It's because you haven't actually been nourished, and it's why you can eat a very simple, tiny little salad or a a small serving of something that's nutrient dense and your body's satiated and it can actually keep you going for a long period of time. So what's happened now is that we've not just got the lethal recipe everywhere, we've become addicted to the convenience of it and we have become addicted to the toxins, you know, the drug-like reactions that we get from it. So like that, the cocaine high, (laughs) we get the sugar high, but we can also get it from bread and white things that are, you know, grains that are processed to the point of white. And this is what's weakening us. And that's why, you know, we talked about the program, the show that I'm working on called Getting Strong. It's getting strong for our kids. Uh, We have to be strong ourselves. We can't just feed our kids healthy food. And the chances are, if you're not modeling that behavior, it's not gonna translate to your kids. So we have to be the example we have to start setting it, and we have to be strong mentally, emotionally, spiritually, which can only truly happen
0: as we're meant to be as the human species if our physical body is is strong and well It's, it's funny not- you mentioned convenience yeah I'm, I'm so, so guilty, guilty of, this, of this, and I think I've even mentioned to you off camera that I feel lazy and you're like you're not lazy, yeah. but it's we've come we've now. We're in a society where it's just all about that convenience and that getting things quick. Yeah. And I know I'm very capable of making nutrient-dense, healthy food for my family, but um, it takes time. Yes. Yeah. It takes money. We've had conversations even around the fact that uh, I've had conversations with people when they say to me, well, Jamie, it's expensive to eat healthy. Can you speak to that? Because I know that when you s- you answered my question... Or when I asked you that question and, and you gave me the response you did, I was shocked myself. Can you share that with our audience?
1: Yeah. Well, um, the, the reality is, is that people are eating in a way that's not sustainable, even if it's organic and they're, they're choosing expensive foods that are organic and that's, you know, it's trendy foods, superfoods, all those kinds of things. And the reality is you don't actually need that to be really healthy. They have been marketed really well, but I know people who are super healthy in these traditional cultures. I know of them, sorry, not them personally, uh, who eat very simply. and <laughs> They don't eat, you know, superfoods from this part of the world and that part of the world. They eat what I call—I uh, use the acronym. I got it from Professor Mark Cohen in Melbourne. I'm really annoyed that I didn't come up with it first, but um, it's slow. I was the president of Slow Food, but that was more the gourmet traditional cultures food. The slow food in this acronym is seasonal, local, organic, and whole. So when we actually start to source our food seasonally, organic, you know, locally and whole, all of those things, it actually brings a budget down. You can't eat the same way you're eating now and just skip to organic and figure you're going to save money. No, <laughs> everything's more expensive organically because you have to um, put more integrity into it. It's, it's not as cost of effective to actually grow that way unfortunately in your backyard it is though because you don't have to pay for chemicals no one in their backyard would grow food and and pour chemicals on it um, thinking that it's miraculously going to go away when i just wash it even though it goes into the soil so i have i and i've shocked people i've fed you know my parents and myself on 150 dollars a week organically you know but we eat differently to most people not bizarre food but really simple food Um, and for, you know, the, the people who are, you know, keto addicts, we do eat carbs, we eat grains, you know, but there are many healthy, long living cultures on the planet that ate grains, you know, they did, they weren't keto. (laughs) There was no trend there. Um, they were eating in context to our environment. And you brought up a, a good question where you were talking about, well, I've noticed vegans that have healed their gut and carnivores that have healed their gut. How does that work? And is that the blood type thing people will ask? And I've seen people in the blood type, same blood type, um, who don't respond to one or the other that they're meant to, right? So Mm -hmm. it's not that, what I ask people, what's the common denominator between the vegans that healed their gut, because there are lots of vegans who don't do it well, right? Mm -hmm. So the ones that have healed their gut and the carnivores that have healed their gut, right? And the common denominator is the absence of the lethal recipe. So the absence of processed food. I remember I was telling you about the first time I had a Beyond Beef, uh, sample I just had a sample i I knew it was crap i like i was I was saying horrible things about it but I hadn't actually tried it and I thought there's something hypocritical if I haven't actually tried it uh, even though after looking at the ingredient list I never would have tried it but I was in a supermarket I was doing my shopping at choices in Vancouver and uh, they, they had a sample there and i uh, I took it and I was like wow that actually does taste like beef and I got to the end of the aisle and I was like Mm, something's not quite right in my mouth. And without a word of a, a lie or exaggeration, by the time I got to the third aisle, it literally tasted like there was feces in my mouth mm-hmm. or what I imagined to be feces in my mouth, okay? It was disgusting. And I literally took a packet of something, ripped it open and started eating to get rid of that flavor, right? So a lot of these vegan products are unnatural. You couldn't make them in nature. And so we make this assumption that if it has this keto label or a vegan label, it's healthy, when in fact, I, I have a, a saying that I use in Return to Food, my book is, um, what's good for the body is good for the planet. And what's good for the planet is good for the body without exception. Mm. And so it's important. So on the vegan side, there's so, mon- so much machinery and chemicals and, and elements of processing that are required to create these fake you know, meat-like products. But in the same token, there's a lot of you know, meat that people are eating on these carnivore diets where you have to understand that you eat what you eat eats. <laughs> so a cow is not a magical you know, transformational machine that if it's eating a chemical laden uh, diet and pumped up with drugs, it doesn't produce clean food. It produces the, the body, it goes into every cell of the body. So we create the building blocks of our body based on what we eat. So if your animal's eating, you
0: know, terrible food, you're eating that terrible food too. So what do we tell people that are listening to this? Because a majority of uh, the public population eats food, meat, especially coming from the grocery store, which comes from, you know, the big factories, the big slaughterhouses, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And we talked about this again off camera of what these animals go through. Mm. Concentration camps and what also gets into their body. So you're speaking to what's, you know, we're eating what they're eating, and it goes down the chain that way. Like, what do we tell, what do you recommend or what do you wanna tell families who have big meat eaters in their family?
1: Yeah, well, um, so I I reserve judgment as to how people should eat as far as quantities, Mm -hmm. because there are traditional cultures like the Inuits, who 80% of their diet for you know, a certain in time in history, it's no longer that way, was 80% was seal blubber. Mm-hmm. And they had, didn't have lifestyle diseases because they had the absence of the lethal recipe. Now that's introduced, they get sicker. So I don't believe, like I, I did a, a video to respond to Jordan Peterson who was advocating the carnivore diet. And there's, there's a couple things. One, it is expensive, even if you're not eating organically. And it's elitist. And if we all ate that way um it would it would create environmental problems because you'd have to factory farm in order for everyone to eat like that but saying that um i think there's there's a balance of actually finding a return my book was called return to food right how going back is the way forward so starting we can't go back to being completely traditional cultures in the society we're living in unless you are willing to live off grid and go from the opposite of what we have now, which is comfort and convenience <laughs> to discomfort. Although I do think we're gonna have to, if we wanna get stronger, we're gonna have to endure some comfort, discomfort. We're gonna have to do hard things and we can do hard things and we thrive when we do hard things, when we make sacrifices that we know are not just in our best interests, but our communities and our planet's best interests. And it's just step-by-step, step, seasonal, local, organic and whole. And now, in a cold culture, it takes a lot more planning to, to do that. And I don't eat perfectly. I am a highly flawed expert, okay? <laughs> you know, um, and and as you know, I have been twice my size. So not 10 foot 4, haven't had a massive height reduction, right? Okay. I have had the worst of eating habits where I started out in the morning with half a liter of Sara Ultra Chocolate Ice Cream, and I didn't stop eating sugar and, and fat and salt and all those good things when, you know... Those are in my very unhappy chefing days, right? Um, So it's not about all or nothing. I love food. Clearly, I love food. (laughs) Um, And I believe that, you know, all these beautiful foods that we'd be given are God's way of, you know, saying we're, we're meant to be happy. You know, it's a way of saying He loves us and we're meant to be happy. But I also think that there's a there's a balance of when we eat too much of that food it it no longer makes us happy it makes us sick but because of our addictions we tend to override that that feeling of like oh this is not quite good for me um or that kind of inner knowing because we get the addictive high uh i i often will say that you know we don't eat for flavor we eat more for the addictive rush that we get from food than for flavor and i am a you know a flavor Um, Queen, I love good flavor, and I I don't know if they're past lives or future lives, but if there is such a thing, I know I came to this incarnation for the food, and I want it to taste good, right? So making these choices, it doesn't have to taste bad. You know, we've been given so many gifts. The things of the planet that make our food taste the best actually come from the ground, like spices and herbs, and you know, and, and when we grow things with integrity, they taste great. So just change one meal a week. Just one meal. Like, we're a social species. That's one of the things that I think is really important in the philosophies I teach. Stop focusing so much just on the food and understand that we are meant to eat together as a species, not with a plate in front of our computer separate to our families. Not saying I'm not guilty of that, but we have to have moments where we actually share food with one another. And I think it's one of the reasons we're overeating as a species. We're just stressed. We're upset. Makes us feel good. And because we have this separation that's going on. So I often say we're meant to eat together. So eat, I'd much rather have a greasy bowl of noodles with people who are kind, positive, loving, upbuilding, truthful, and freedom-minded now than to have the most gourmet, nutritiously prepared meal that's nutritionally perfectly balanced with people who are angry, depressed, negative, or judgmental. right? But here's the thing. What about the power of just sharing something simple? Like literally just a soup just a little soup and share it with people who you love and care for, love and respect, and you just connect. You know That's why you could interview me on a computer. Why did I come all the way down here with you? Is because there's something that's really magical that happens when we're human to human. And what were the shutdowns and the mandates about? They were about separating us. Don't go meet people in church. You know, don't go and meet people at your local coffee shop sit at home, smoke, drink, you know, and get your uh, delivery food of food that's not good for you, you know. And so we can see that if we want to fight this, we can't just fight it with our words. We have to fight it with our mind and our heart and our gut and our bodies and make hard decisions.
0: So what you're saying is we've got to throw away our cell phones and iPads (laughs) and computers, get get into colonies together, to, uh, to work together, to make our herb grow and, and make our own foods and support each other in communities. Sherry, what do we do? I mean, I, I really have faith one day that we are going to live in a non-toxic environment. Mm-hmm. I do believe that. I think that's, that's something to look forward to in our future. But until then, what do we do? Well, we can control what we can control. We control what we can control. So
1: we create our little you know, sanctuaries, we, our own haven. Mm-hmm. I, I know there are certain foods that if I have on the house, I'm gonna eat. So if I don't wanna eat those foods, I don't bring them into the house. You know, one of the things about eating organically and cheap, I don't eat out anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. Rarely, like people will invite me out for a meal and I'm like, well, it's not really a treat for me. I know you're trying to treat <laughs> treat me, but it's not really a treat. I do not even go through a drive-through and get that cup of tea or coffee because I don't drink tap water. I drink you know, spring water, that's, that's my you know, primary source of hydration is spring water and, and that's it. So, and I know every food in a restaurant, um, even a good restaurant is made with tap water. They're not, they're not purifying their water to cook with, right? And I know what's in tap water. So it, it involves us actually just taking one step at a time. And I'm certainly not expecting anyone um, to do all the things that I'm doing because I've been doing this for 40 years, right? I've been working on this, um, my food and understanding food and making changes and looking into it and understanding in great depth um, for over you know, a long period of time. So if you're new to it, just do one thing. And then when you've got that handled, do another thing. And then when you have got that handled, do another thing and just keep going. And then what you'll find is that thing that you did the first thing, by the time you get to the 10th thing, it's normal. It's everyday behavior. And you don't even have to think about it
0: i want to talk about restaurants because we all love eating out i mean i'm guilty of that too and i was doing it too often especially uh when we were in these lockdowns we you know or skip the dishes or even when i could go out for dinner you know it just was so convenient but also the energy that is put into food people don't even really take that into consideration so it's one thing that they're cooking the food or washing it with the tap water, they're using seed, bad seed oils, et cetera, et cetera. But let's talk about the energy that not only restaurants put in, because if you've got someone cooking your food that's really angry or going through a lot and they're they're not putting love into the food, mm-hmm. what does that do? But we can also do that at home. Like I've been told to talk while and sing while I'm cooking. Can you talk to that? Uh, well, I'm often
1: singing in the kitchen. In fact, when I was a chef, I have this habit of taking songs and changing the lyrics to them to, you know, if something happened with the water, I would, you know, change the lyrics and do that. So absolutely the joy of what you're doing, not only will impact what you're producing. I know perfectly that when I'm in a good mood, we eat better than when I'm in a, you know, a fear mode or angry mode. Absolutely. That's historically, I can say that. But one of the things that if you can extract joy, while you're actually cooking you're now associating cooking with a positive experience Mm -hmm. so i feel for people who don't like to cook and i feel the people i feel the most for is when they're cooking for a bunch of people with all different kinds of eating preferences and dietary restrictions i would be lost i'd be like you guys all need to need to learn how to cook because i'm not doing Mm -hmm. (laughs) five meals in every night and and just how it curbs down and but i also think that that's a great kind of piece of self-responsibility. Cooking is an essential life skill. Everyone needs to learn how to cook and it doesn't have to be complicated. Just seven recipes. I, I did an ebook one time called Seven Recipes for Life. I did 7 ebooks. You just learn seven recipes and you'll never have to worry about what to cook for dinner, particularly if you're moving with the seasons and what's available. But I think the big thing is take the pressure off and something I'm sensing might be an issue for some people. You probably can't relate to this, but everyone thinks their meals have to be perfect. <laughs> yes, I can relate. Right. <laughs> um, so like some sometimes my meals are basic and they suck. You know, they're not great. That, ooh, last night I made something for my parents and it was like, that was too salty. Sorry about that.
0: Yeah. Speaking of your parents, you've done a very honorable thing during this whole pandemic. Instead of sticking with your passion and you know, um, working with elite people and cooking for them and jet-setting to fancy places, you decided to take care of your parents. Like, I just, I don't know very many people that would do that.
1: You know, for for me, when the last couple, billionaire couple that I was cooking for, every day I was doing that, Mm -hmm. they were very entitled. um, And uh, I would say, you know, um, that we weren't in sync. <laughs> and every day I was cooking for them. no ma- The situations, the kitchens I cooked in, the, all seven or eight of them on the yacht and the, the jet and you know this home and this home, they were building a 27,000 square foot home when um, the f- first week I went to meet them um, via their jet. Anyway, I kept thinking, I wish I was cooking for my mom and dad because I know they need it more than these people do and they'd appreciate it a lot more. And they say, careful what you wish for. Well, the opportunity came up and it was suggested that because my mom had been disabled by this antibiotic and my dad had been caring for her for over six years and he was aging and couldn't do it all himself, a sibling asked me, would you consider moving in with them and and taking care of them? And for me, it was just, honestly, I'll I'll say it was, the bigger deal was moving back to Alberta and Northern Alberta rather than living with my parents. (laughs) <laughs> at, at 55 years old, right? Um, that was the bigger deal. Cause I got soft living in Vancouver and Melbourne, right? For 30, 33 years, right? Um, so it was, that was the bigger sacrifice than anything. It was just, mm, that was hard to take. But one of the things that's actually come out of this is a lot of people will praise me for it. And I was finding, I was really uncomfortable with the praise. And one of my girlfriends, Dawn, who's a very spiritual person, the best masseuse in the world. um, And uh, I told her, I said, you know, someone had just finished complimenting me on it. And I said, I'm really uncomfortable with it. Um, People are saying it's such a noble thing to do, but I'm uncomfortable with it. And she said, yes, Sherry, but remember, we're meant to be noble people. Mm. And the thing is, is that it's, it's, it's considered an exception these days. I had an Indian friend said, that's, you know that's really extraordinary what you're doing. I said, Preet, you're Indian. Like, this is, you know, all your family members do this. This should be normal. But it's, again, it's just like the lethal recipe or our food. We've deviated from how we're actually meant to be eating as a human species. We're deviating so far from how we're living as a human species. We'd rather see people be tortured and neglected in a home than bring them into our own home and take care of them. And, yeah, so I... I um, I also will say that as difficult as, it, as it's been, I've had this really, really deep feeling. I get of, a sense of uh, a reward and a feeling of knowing in my
0: gut and my heart and every cell that I'm doing the right thing. You're a blessing. And um, I just think that everything that you have shared with us is just so uh, empowering for people to hear because, you know, a lot of people might like including myself, you know, like you said, information is one thing, but it doesn't always mean that it's it's gonna take us in the right direction. So being able to communicate this to people the way you have is so important. And I hope that more and more people reach out to you to to connect with you, to talk to you about this, to get the help that they need, because uh, we all need it, Sherry, yeah. we all do. So thank you so much again for, for sharing your wisdom and your knowledge um, about nutrition with all of us. I'm so grateful for you. I'm grateful to be your friend. I can call <laughs> you anytime, and uh, and and get the help that we need too. Because I'm I'm not perfect either. So yeah. thank you so much, Sherry. Yeah. Well, it's it's an honor to to get to know you. It's
1: been a joy. You really feel like a soul sister, and mm. you can come and cook in my kitchen anytime. Come. I would
0: with love me. to do Great that. that. Yeah. Yeah. You betcha. Thank you. Thank you so much for watching Unstoppable Truth. And for more interviews or more information, please go to canadiansfortruth.ca.